0: Okay, so today we'll be reading through the book of Daniel, and we're beginning at Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Word of God says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Amen. So up to this point right here, if you guys are familiar with Israeli history and their constant disobedience and rebellion towards God, this was God being fed up because right now. God has allowed this king, Nebuchadnezzar, of the nation of Babylonia, to take the, the, the Israelites. He, he said he permitted them, not only to take the, the people, but even some of the sacred objects within his temple. And it's pretty heavy, think about that, because it's almost like, like the Lord lifted up his defense. Can you imagine, because like, a lot of times, what do we pray? We pray God for covering, God protect me today, Lord. I pray that, that you, you don't allow evil to come upon me. And it's it's the opposite because the people weren't praying because the people denied God because the people were disobedient because they rebelled against God. He was like, well, I guess you don't need this covering then because you don't need me. Imagine that, like imagine yourself walking out there and God is just completely lifted off your covering, knowing what you know today about spiritual warfare, knowing what you know today about the battle of of the demonic and the the godly. Would you want to be out there without a covering? Absolutely not. And here we have the children of Israel who have been disobedient, who hey, what's so Carlos, come on. In. Who have rebelled against God and he has taken off the covering. So we're gonna look at a few things in Daniel about the topic of God's will be done. So if you guys want to title this message, you can title it God's Will Be Done. We're gonna talk about the will of God. You know, because sometimes we wonder why does God allow us To go through the stuff we go through. You know, why does God allow us to go through the hurt that we go through? Why does God allow us to go through the darkness that we go through? Why does he allow us to, you know, because a lot of times what's the common ideology of the world? Why do good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? Like people always want to ask the Christian community, why does this happen? If your God is so good, right? If your God is so good, why is there, is there murder? If your God is so good, why is there terrorist attacks? If your God is so good, why hasn't he healed COVID-19? If your God is so good, all this stuff. And what we're going to understand from Daniel is why the will of God is to be done. And, and that's why I've titled this message, God's will be done. The first thing I want us to look at from this story is number one, God uses a Gentile. So God can use non-believers. You look at. Who do we have so far? We have uh, King Jehoiakim, who was the king of Judah. He was supposed to be a godly king leading a godly kingdom, but he had failed in that. And then we have King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a pagan king of a pagan nation. All right. right, non-believers had nothing to do with God. Didn't care for God. Well, they, they could live their life without knowing God and they in their own minds would have been fine. So we have King Jehoiakim, who's supposed to be the godly king over the godly people. And then we have King Nebuchadnezzar, non-godly king, serving in his own country, believing he himself is God. And then it says, the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim. So this is crazy. Because it says, God gave the non-godly king victory over who? The supposed to be godly king. You guys see how this happening? So when people say, Why does God allow good things to happen to bad people? Well, right here, God's allowing King Nebuchadnezzar. What? Victory. And what did he do to the one that was supposed to be the good? He allowed bad to come upon him. So I want you guys to kind of catch this. And then it says, So King Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. So the rulers of Judah had lived a life of disobedience to God and immorality. They had been warned by prophets... But they ignored the prophets. So let's, let's relate that to us today. Because today we're, we're hearers of the word of God. But what does the Bible say more importantly than hearing we need to do? We need to be doers. It's one thing to hear it. We see the example of Israel right here. Even King Jehoiakim. They heard the word to turn away from immorality. To turn away from disobedience. And they what? Refused To do it. God used Isaiah. God used Micah. God used Habakkuk and Jeremiah. But the people didn't listen. These are books of prophets we read about today. They were prophesying. One, two, three, four. Isaiah, Micah, Habakkuk and Jeremiah. Powerful prophets. All of them. You could read each of their books. Very powerful books of prophecy. That Israel rebelled against. They still didn't listen to God. So there's a lesson we need to receive from this today. God can provide the blessing, but we can take advantage of it by losing our gratitude and focusing on our own desires. See, they, they lost their gratitude. The, the nation of Israel lost their gratitude and they began to focus on their own desires. So as this happened to the people of the living God in Judah, the land God provided them, they fell into idolatry and injustice. Do you guys know what injustice is? It's a lack of fairness, a lack of justice. We all want justice, right? We all want to see justice. You know, uh, I was hearing about a, a, a family where the boyfriend was, was beating the baby. And you think about it, like, man, dude, like, you know, three-month-old baby. And, and there's a boyfriend, not, not the biological father, I don't believe, who's just, because he doesn't know how to be a father, maybe, because he has anger inside of him, maybe he was hurt as a child, and he doesn't know how to stop a baby from crying. And what does he do? He beats the child, hoping that it will stop. What do we, when we hear that story, what do, you, what do you think? Man, he deserves to get punished. Man, he deserves to receive the same. He, he, something should happen to this guy. That's called justice. Where these people were at in the story, there was lack of justice. So that means things were taking place. Evilness was taking place without consequence. Without any kind of punishment being done for that. You know, when God sees that upon his nation, because he didn't care. I mean, not that God didn't care, but God God allowed Babylonia to live how they wanted to live. They could have lived in injustice. Why? Because they didn't choose God. But Israel, Israel had chosen God and that was God's chosen nation. There should be no injustice. There should be justice in that in that place. Let's go to Lamentations. and if somebody could read chapter 4 verse 13 Lamentations is right after uh, Jeremiah I remember the first time I heard somebody say Lamentations I was like what well, that's a book get 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 y'all gotta know your word go against it yep yeah. Isn't that crazy? It says about these prophets and priests that they, they defiled the city by the shedding of innocent blood. But when we hear priests and when we hear prophet, what do we expect of those titles? Not, not the shedding of innocent blood. And that's the same that God expects. God didn't give them the title of priest. He didn't give them the title of prophet so that innocent blood would be shed. God allowed the Babylonians to take from their land and even from the temple. He would rather his children live in bondage of the enemy than to live in the holy land as the enemy by willingly making that choice. That's him. Think about that. When we were in our rebellion, when we were in our disobedience, maybe sometimes today we still battle with, you know, falling into that mentality. Here's what God would rather happen if, if we if we can't be obedient, if we can't commit ourselves, He would rather us be in bondage of the enemy so that it would be said, they're like that because they're in bondage. Rather than to say, they're not in bondage, but they still choose to rebel against me. They're not not in captivity. They're not locked up. They're willingly choosing to rebel against me. You see how like... God loves us so much that he would rather the picture look better for, for the kingdom of heaven's sake that's deep now think about that like dang because we, we wonder because then we go back and wonder well why did God let those things happen to me well maybe your heart wasn't right maybe we had some stuff in here that we were in rebellion I'm not saying that's all cases but God does we see here he does allow his children when they're in rebellion when they constantly disobey him when they constantly are battling with morality. he says oh, if you're going to choose that then let me, let me make it look like it's out of your hands. Because if you're a prisoner, then it's out of your hands. If, if you've got a slave master over you, it's out of your hands. Rather than you sitting there in freedom, you sitting there in your blessing and still choosing to, rebe- to be rebellious. It looked like the defeat of the children of God in the eyes of the world. But God had a plan to fulfill his covenant with his children. Let me have somebody go to Isaiah Chapter 42. Isaiah 42, and let's read 6 and 7. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will make you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nation. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. So another reason why God allows us to sometimes be in captivity is because of this promise right here. He says, "I will use you as a demonstration." Who can explain to me what is it? What does the word demonstration mean? Example. Good. Okay. Anybody else? Visual. Good. Presentation? Yep. Alright. So is that crazy? He says, I'm gonna use you as a demonstration. And it'd be like like when somebody says, Oh, you know, going to come on up here. Let, we're gonna do something real quick. What's about to happen? Illustration, a visual. I'm gonna show you something right here so you learn from it. And see, God is gonna use us as demonstrations. Why? For his righteousness, the verse said. I will take you by hand and guard you. I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. If we, if we look at this verse real quick, look at these three. There's, there's the people that need the help. All the nations, that represents all the non-believers. To the blind, that means those that maybe once knew God, but have fallen to their own flesh, fallen to the ways of the world, or possibly even just fallen under demonic oppression. And then those that are sitting in darkness. So maybe they just don't know the way. They never have somebody show them. They they were born in darkness and never were revealed by the light. Because again, God says this. That I will, I will make you a symbol to those that are in the nations. I will use you to open the eyes of those that are blind. And I will use you to free the captives of those that are in prisons. Releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? So that we can be a light. So that we can open the eyes. And so that we can set those that are in darkness free. So remember that. Whenever you find yourself in a situation of like, Man, why am I going through what I'm going through? Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. The Bible says that he will use you as a demonstration why? For his righteousness. For who? For those that are lost, for those that are blind, for those that are in darkness. Those that Nebuchadnezzar had taken captive were said to have been Jerusalem's wisest men, most beautiful of women, of which Daniel was one of those captive. So even in the days like we're living in, certain churches of God they suffer closure. They suffer division or financial problems and scandal. But whether we believe it or not, there's a plan through it all. Let's look at the next part. <clears throat> Excuse me. If we go back to our opening text in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to look at the second point. Number 2 is God uses the exiles. Number 1 was God uses the Gentile. Number 2 is God uses the exiles. In Daniel 1, I'm going to read 3 through 16. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and their noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Come on, fellas, which one of y'all would have got chosen? Make sure they are all well-versed in every branch of learning are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace, train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would return, I'm sorry, then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, remember these names, were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined to, Not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my lord the king who had ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths of your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for others. Amen. No, that was a big chunk right there. Okay, so what do we have here? We have the exiles. Now, exiles is basically the kidnapped, the ones that were, were taken captive, the captured, okay? And what do we have is... is Now, out of these exiles, the the king, Nebuchadnezzar, says, Bring me good-looking young men, young men that have potential, young men that are strong, young men that can learn, because I'm going to use those young men in my palace to help me advance my kingdom. And then he teaches them his ways. He feeds them his food. He names them after his gods. We'll see how right now. So the few, the Babylonians were hand-picking and selecting slaves that would benefit their culture and their way of life. Daniel and his friends were estimated to have been, in their teenage years, about 15, maybe 16 years old. Many people claim to know or to serve God, right? Matthew 7, 21 through 23, I'll read it. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father will enter heaven. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Only those who actually do the will of the father will enter into the kingdom of heaven. These were boys that actually did the will of God, these young men. The three, the three Hebrew boys in Daniel. Commitment comes before anything. When we commit ourselves in our heart and in our mind to serving God, He'll provide the resources along the way. When, when we get ready to pray, I want you guys to think of this word commitment. Have you committed yourself in your mind? And have you committed yourself in your heart to live the rest of your life for the Lord? See, they had began learning Aramaic, which was their language. They were renamed in Babylonian names. This... Was meant to use them as an example by people and also to encourage worship to their pagan gods, as each name represented a specific meaning in reference to idolatry. Look at this the, the name Daniel means God is my judge, talking about Yahweh, but it is changed to Belteshazzar, which means Bel protect his life. Bel basically means Satan. It's it's another reference for Satan. So he 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 had his name changed from God is my judge to Satan protect my life. Isn't that crazy? Now look at this, Hananiah, one of the three Hebrew boys. His name was the Lord shows grace, but his new name Shadrach meant command of Aku, who was the moon god. So now Daniel's being renamed to Satan protect me uh, Hananiah is being renamed to the command of Aku, another God. Let's look at Mishael. Mishael means, these are Hebrew names, who is like God, right? And his new name Meshach is who is Aku. Okay. Azariah, his name means my Lord is my help. When he was renamed to Abednego, that name meant servant of Nebo, again, another false God. The name of the true and living God was replaced by the names of false gods of Babylon. But would we expect unbelievers to do anything else? So think about that today. Because as, as we're serving the Lord and we're, we're living our life for Him, guess what the enemy and the world would love nothing better than to do? Than to change your name to represent another God. Than to change your identity to worship another God. Than to change your purpose to depend and serve any other God but our Lord in heaven. So they were given a new language and they were given new names and also that the boys were born in Judah's royal and noble families. In other words, they were the best to select from. So leaders must often stand alone as they begin their journey. We have to understand that when you get separated and and God consecrates you to use you for his plan and will, it's going to be lonely. It's going to feel lonely. Even even though you're in church, guess what? You're going to feel this loneliness. Why? Why? Because in a way, you're going to be like, man, I don't think nobody understands what I'm going through. I don't think anybody can relate to my situation. I feel like nobody can understand this process that I'm going through. Anybody ever felt like that before? It feels like that. We're going to feel this loneliness. But we must understand that there is a test taking place. They were going through a process to be changed from Jew to Babylonian. They learned a new culture. They learned a new lifestyle. And they learned a new tradition. They didn't have any resistance with all of this change until it came to eating food that came against the law of Moses. So when they captured them, they accepted that. When they renamed them, they allowed that. But then when they began to change their diet, that's when Daniel was like, alright man, like this is enough. It's becoming too much. They were given food that was taught by tradition to be unclean. In, in Leviticus 17, you guys can write it down, 10-16. to 16. It talks about this unclean food. Literally, the food that the king was trying to give them was against their traditional law. I'll let you guys read that on your own. But these men were in a test of faith and challenged to follow the customs of the world. They were in a Daniel fast. Hello, somebody. See, if this, if we don't have the power of God operating within us, then the pressure of the world outside will cause us to cave in. We need to have the power of God within. We all can probably testify how heavy the 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 weight of the world can come upon our minds can come upon our hearts can even attempt to crush our souls imagine being in their situation in the flesh we'd be tearing it up and getting drunk amen yeah man a new name what wine what food yeah let's go if we were in the flesh see isn't it tempting because all that was an appearance to do good for these boys like, we got you, and we're going to take care of you now. We're going to train you. We're going to, we're going to teach you. We'll rename you. We're going to teach you our ways. We're going to teach you our language. As a matter of fact, here, have some of our food. Have some of our wine. In a flesh? Oh, that would have been very appealing. That would have been very enticing, and we probably would have fell to it. But Romans 12, 1-2 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we are not to be transformed to what's going on in the world, but we're to let the Holy Spirit do his work within us, So that we know what? The will of God. This is an example of God's will being done. Because those boys allowed the power of God to operate through them, they became transformers rather than conformers. And that's important for us to know today. Are we going to be transformers through the Holy Spirit or conformers through the way of the world? They ended up flipping the script on those who were trying to change them. And who gets the glory for that? God. They... The name of of the God of the four Hebrew boys gets the glory. This gave them favor with Ashpenaz, which was the king's right-hand chief of staff. Even though these men were slaves, they received favor from certain leaders, almost like Joseph received uh, privileges from Potiphar in the house in Egypt. Look at Proverbs 16, verse number 7. Today's the 16th. This is uh, one of our Proverbs for today. It says, when people live... I'm sorry, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. If your life pleases God, your enemies will have to also be at peace with you. That sounds crazy. So what's important that that we internalize today? Let the peace of God, let the peace of God reside in you. Let the peace of God exist in you. They had to be wise in the way that they brought this to light. Daniel says, Test us for 10 days, then compare us to everyone else and make your choice. This is an example of divine authority versus worldly authority. When we approach the opposition with meekness and gentleness, we experience victory. All right, let's let's look at the third point this morning. The world views our profile. Point number three, the world views our profile. So I'll read from Daniel 1, 17 through 20. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in this entire kingdom. Think about that word profile. If I say, let me check your profile, what am I asking? Okay, information about you. What you say this? Credentials, anybody else? What does your profile represent? What does it show people? Identity? Identity. What else? So, so it's, it's who we are, right? Your profile. Like today, everybody got Facebook. Facebook profile. You get to see who somebody else is. The funny thing is, people don't even care about resumes anymore. They'll just go check your Facebook. Or whatever your social media is. That's your profile. Or at least what we portray our profile to be. Because we all know that there is a social media profile, but that's not the truth. is it? That's like the good. Hey, look at my highlights. Look at the glamour part of my life. Look at the good part of my life. Because then beneath that profile, there's a whole other story. Amen. But the profile, because the world's going to look at our profile as Christians. The world will look at our profile today as followers of Christ. The world will look at our profile to see what we represent in reference to the church. Now these young men had been training and they had the education. What set them apart was their God-given gifts and abilities. The king saw the men of God and he said, whenever he compared them to his enchanters and magicians. That means the education that they offered their people didn't compare to the education that God had given. That the skills, the talents, and the abilities that his people had were still beneath the power and abilities of the God-given men of God. So we see here that the power of God always supersedes any, any ability and power in the world. So to look for the leader of a group, look for the one who everyone listens to. The, the true leaders were right beneath their nose. It wasn't the enchanters, the magicians, the ones that had titles and positions. It was the ones that trusted in, and, and, and were loyal to God. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter that needed wisdom and and balanced judgment, he found 10 times more capable the Hebrews than any of the magicians and enchanters of his own kingdom. And we need to first develop the discipline of reading and praying. Faith without works is dead. So we get out of the faith. It's good to have faith. I'm not against the faith. But make sure that you're applicating work with that faith. Otherwise, your faith will be dead. We can pray all the time, but without the component of God's word, it's simply lip service. There's nothing wrong with getting a college degree and furthering education in the world. It's fine to understand the ways of the world as long as we're not being conformed by them. Daniel, as we're going to read, was used to interpret dreams and prove God's wisdom better than anyone else in that kingdom. This word magicians, it was men Who dealt with the occult. Enchanters were those who used incantations to accomplish their purposes. Sorcerers specialized in casting spells. Astrologers studied the movements of the stars and their influence on events. Diviners sought to see the future by using various methods. Of course, all of these were forbidden according to the law of Moses. Daniel and his friends had to work alongside these men. Yet they remained pure and gave a powerful testimony to the Lord. Can you imagine going to a job where you've got a guy practicing occultic practices and another employee next to you does cantations to the demonic powers and then another one studies the stars and depends on creation rather than the creator and these other soothsayers and fortune tellers and palm readers and new age followers. Can you imagine working in an environment where that's all... Your staff. That'd be heavy, huh? And then here you are, a believer of God, a follower of Christ. And you're just like, man, the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Behind me, Satan. But they worked around these people. And they were a light. Now, the thing is, remember, God's will be done. So don't, don't feel like offended, guys. Because when you transition out of the home and, and you begin to plug in to life outside the home guess You're going to be around You're going to be around these people God God has done it before And even in the midst of being around These demonic dark occultic Pagan uh, Satanic people We still shine It's God's will Like they didn't go hang out with them They worked among them Amen God's going to use us so that we can always prove The power of God is greater the power of satan the king himself came to test the quality of those who completed the training to see if they were fit to serve in his royal palace so we see even in those days the children of god were used to shine among those of the world there's no reason today why christian believers shouldn't be among the top students across every university and every campus we have to understand that the gifts that we've been given might take us to the top but humility Will allow us to endure. Because some of you guys are super talented. Some of you guys are super gifted. Maybe you know about those right now. Maybe you don't. But I'll tell you this. We all have a talent. And we all have a gift. And and one thing about that talent. Is you will get noticed. You will get recognized. And you will be acknowledged for it. But what keeps you. Is humility through it. You have to remain humble. Because look at Daniel. And, and his three Hebrew friends. If if. Because the king literally would tell everybody, these guys are ten times better than all of you. Imagine if they would have been like, Shh, you know, just doing what we do. This is us. And what if they would have started getting prideful and arrogant and cocky? They would have fallen. But they remained humble. Like they didn't have to speak for it. Because who was speaking for them? The king and God. But God was using the Gentile. Remember, God used the Gentile. God used the exiles, and then he also used their profiles so that we could be a witness and a testimony to the world. And then the fourth thing I want to give you guys, and then we'll get ready to pray. Number four, Daniel served a new lifestyle. Daniel served a new lifestyle. So in verse 21, the Bible says, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. So he remained in this new lifestyle because remember, Daniel came from living in Judah in the in the in the nation of God with the nation of with the people of God. He was taken from that nation. He was exiled, kidnapped, captured, taken to the land of Babylonia, a demonic nation serving under King Nebuchadnezzar, a satanic king in a, in a nation where he was renamed, where he was trained, where he was given a language. And what did he do? He still was a representation of God, but living in a new lifestyle. Because now he was in the royal palace of the enemy. Daniel was about 15 in this chapter. Chapter 1, I want you guys to remember that, that he's 15 right here. Because when we start getting into later chapters, we literally see the life of Daniel from the age of 15 to just after the age of 80. In Jeremiah 29.10, the Bible says, This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the things I have promised and I will bring you home again. This is powerful. Think of these numbers. This was a prophecy. Remember, I told you Jeremiah was one of the prophets that was speaking to the nation of Israel. Jeremiah said that the, the, the Israelites will live in Babylon for 70 years. Okay. At what age did Daniel go to Babylon? Okay, what age did I say that we read Daniel to? Okay, how many years was that? About 70. So he literally like... was Can you imagine a 70 year sentence? 70 years? Dang, that's deep. Because Daniel lived that whole sentence. He lived that whole prophecy. From 15, as as a teenager, the whole nation. He was there when they all got kidnapped. When they all got captured... He lived that whole 70 years in Babylon, and then the Lord did what? He answered his promise by rescuing the Israelites, hoping that they learned their lesson. We're going to learn from Daniel that as men who are also trying to go through the process, going through a training that every day we serve God faithfully is the answer to the calling he has placed upon our life. We don't know how many years we'll see, but we know every day of every year we are to give God our fullest God takes us out of the world and out of the normal way of living so that he gets the glory through our process. In order to save Jacob's family, Joseph had to be sent to Egypt where he ended up becoming the number two man next to Pharaoh himself. We can even see something similar in Joseph. How old was Joseph when he was sold into slavery by his brothers? Do you guys remember? 17. 17? Hello, somebody. By the time he was right next to Pharaoh, a lot of time had passed. Amen. Esther and Mordecai were in Persia, where they used to unfold evil plots. They were used to unfold evil plots against the Jews to save the nation. Nehemiah was the cupbearer in another nation, and he was able to get the royal support to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We don't seek our own fame, but we want to keep making God famous. God loves to flex in situations that make it seem as if the movement of the gospel will not prevail. When he is not allowed to rule, he overrules. When he is not allowed to rule, he overrules. So that's why when we think about it, good things happen to evil people and evil things happen to good people. God doesn't intend to hurt us. What did Jeremiah twenty nine eleven say? My plans are not to harm you. But we're going to be in situations where it looks like, man, God, I don't know, man. I know you're not to harm me, but dang. I feel like it's about to harm me right now. It looks like it's about to harm me right now, God. So that's where our faith kicks in, right? Because you remember these three Hebrew boys? I wonder what it felt like when they were surrounded in that furnace of fire. Think about Daniel. I wonder what it felt like when he was in a den full of lions, ravaging lions. God's going to put us in situations where it's going to seem impossible, where it's going to look intimidating, where we might even in our own thinking, because we're going to be like, all right, I'm calculating right now. I'm doing the math. I'm putting all the, nope, this doesn't look good, God. This equals not good. And God's like, I didn't ask you to think about it. I didn't ask you to figure it out. I need you to stand there and be still. And know that I am God. If we can get some music ready. So as we get ready to spend time with God. Remember the thing I want you to, to believe in today is commitment. We think about God's will be done. We're going to, as we, as we go through this entire book of Daniel. We're going to see the will of God completed. in Daniel, a man of faith who remained loyal. Who endured. Who who continue to be used even when he was put on the back burner because the crazy thing you're going to find about Daniel is he was constantly exalted and then the the, the world would come in and put him on the back burner and the same thing is going to happen to us we're not meant to stay on the top in the in the standards of the world we're meant to stay on top in the standards of God you guys know where that top is that in God low no. it's it's in humility it's when we humble ourselves He will exalt us. And we do it all for God's honor and glory. If we could all stand here this morning.